0: This is the lesson. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. These are not dark days. These are great days. And we must all thank God that we have been allowed, each of us. Play a part in making these days memorable in the history of our race. All right, don't give up. Don't give up. That's been our series for, this is the fifth Sunday now. and We're going to wrap it up today. How you doing? Everybody doing okay? Woke up to a little bit of snow this morning. Sorry if you were hoping for a church snow day. We don't really have those. Uh, around here either and uh, I need to ask this question just to get it out of the way I see somebody proudly um, you got to be connected to Philip somehow Uh, so I'm with you I'm with you Uh, who else is with uh, with this number 12 right here yeah pulling for the old guy tonight yeah who's with the young kid young kid all right all right we'll pray for you all pray for you guys you pray for us We'll see how it turns out. We normally have our apologetics <clears throat> group on the first Sunday of the month. That would be today at our Tays Valley campus. Due to impending inclement weather, we're canceling that or postponing it to the 21st. We know there's, we hear there's a storm in Tampa Bay brewing. gonna come up. It may knock us out of that. It's a monthly group, so... Um, We're going to move it to the 21st. All right? Everybody good? Okay. How many of you think uh, Marshall kind of sounds like Bono a little bit? Uh, Rock star. One of you. Thanks, Dave. (laughs) You and me. All right. So, Psalm 73, if you have a Bible, if you have a smartphone or something with the bible on it psalm 73 has been our landing point for this series it's been where we've where we've landed and uh i just saw somebody that reminded me i need to do a shout out today to our marmette campus hello marmette campus i heard we had heating problems there today so everybody had to stay home so they're watching this service marmette campus give me a shout wherever you are give me a shout text me if you got my number so it's great to have Marmet campus watching online today, and I know there's some other folks who are watching online as well. A friend called me, or rather, I called a friend this week, and he's uh, hundreds of miles away. He says he watches occasionally as well. So thank you for being here in person, and thank you for watching online. If you're still watching online, we've been in Psalm 73 for the last. This is now the fifth Sunday. This is our landing point. This psalm is a story. It's a testimony. It's a testimony about a man who was a godly man. He was a godly man who served the Lord in the sanctuary. David appointed Asaph when he was in his twenties. He served God faithfully. Even we believe through David's reign, which was total forty years, but he, he got in, I think, in the in, after the first third of it was gone even into Solomon's reign, David's son Solomon. He wrote 12 psalms, Psalm 73 to 83, and then an earlier one. This is one that we've been in, and it's his story. It's his testimony about getting discouraged, about almost slipping over the edge into the pit of despair. Let's look at this, and let me walk you through it. I know many of you have been here, and some of you haven't been here, I want to make sure you don't miss Asaph's story, how it started, but especially today, how it ended, how his story ended, how he ends the story. So he starts out by saying, surely God is good to Israel. This is like us saying God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And he's saying this, this is a known fact, this is something he learned in Sabbath school, He says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And then look at verse 2. That's where he begins to tell his story. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Okay, so here he is. He said, I know God is good to those who are pure in heart. I'm pure in heart, he was trying to say. I, I've been following the Lord. I've been listening. I've been spending the time where I need to spend the time. But I want you to know something. I almost threw in the towel, I almost slipped over the edge. And he tells us why. He says, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And you can see his frustration grows as he continues to describe the lives of the wicked. He says, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them, there's a whole bunch of them, and drink up waters in abundance. What he's saying here is that, you know, they're first in line. They get the best of everything. They drink up waters in abundance. And they say, how would God know? Does the most high know anything? You know, they're questioning the very existence of God here. This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. So let, let me make sure you're connecting the dots here, and that's what we have to do with Scripture. You know, scripture is uh, it's, it's God-inspired, God-breathed. That means it's living and active, and it might be talking about that time, but it's also talking about your time. So Asaph was questioning what was going on in the world. He couldn't understand it. It seemed like evil was prospering, evil was growing, while righteousness was being marginalized. It was, it was being criticized. It was being uh, pushed, pushed aside. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, and I, and I got to the point in my life where it made me so frustrated, so angry, that I almost threw in the towel. I didn't know what God was doing in the world. I didn't know what he was doing in my life. And I wondered why in the world should I continue to pursue a godly life? Now, if you fail to make the connection between the time of Asaph and your time and my time, then you're not paying attention. Doesn't it seem like evil is growing in the world? Doesn't it seem like the uh, despite the the growth of the church over the last few decades, you know, there are more mega churches now, I've told you before, than ever before, and instead of cities and towns like this one being influenced for good and things getting better, people openly talking about God and talking about Jesus, and, uh, you know, I'm not talking about patriotism, but built into that is, uh, you know, a love for God, a love for God and country. Instead of that getting better, instead of that growing, it's being pushed aside and it's being called radical. It's radicalized, marginalized. It's not popular today to be a Christian. We knew this day was coming, didn't we? We've been talking about this. I've been talking about this for most of my ministry, 20-some years. I want to tell you something, that day is now. If you stand up in the public square on your social media platforms, at your job, at your school, wherever you are, and if you say Jesus is Lord and the Bible is true, do you think it will go well for you? It's not going to go well for you. Somebody's going to record that. Somebody's going to criticize you for that. Now, unless you work in a very uh, safe place, then, then... Mentioning your faith is going to be a detriment to you. And it's sad that we've gotten to this place in our country, isn't it? It's very sad, it's very sad. But I kind of, I want to remind you what Winston Churchill said in his day. When the days were dark, when it seems like all was lost, he said, these are not dark days. He said, these are days to shine. These are days for us to stand up and to be the light of the world. That's my interpretation of what he's saying. So he said in verse 13 and 14, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. Now this isn't someone who's on the fence about God. It's not somebody who's an immature believer. It's not somebody who's uh, thinking about coming into the faith. This is Asaph. He's been serving the Lord for a long time. He's been with God for a long time. Now this is just, I'm, just, I'm telling you that to tell you this. There are going to be times in your life, even though you've been walking with the Lord for a while, there are going to be times in your faith when you're ready to throw in the towel, when you kind of wonder, is this worth it? Should I continue to walk this walk? You know, the worst of the worst has happened. Some of you experience some things in your life, whether that's been uh, loss or abandonment or hatred or been the target of violence. You experience these things and if you haven't if you keep living and you will and you may have already gotten to the point you're like wow what's the use in living the way i'm trying to live what's the use in it so asap did a five-point turn that's what we've kind of structured this series after a turn every sunday we've talked about something that he uh you know a way that he's kind of turning it around and make no mistake about it, he wasn't doing it on his own. God was helping him. God was helping him, and you'll see that here in just a moment. But what did he have to do? You know, you're on the pit of discouragement. You're angry at the world. You're, things didn't turn out the way you wanted them to. You're, you're not happy about stuff. You don't see any good coming, at least not for a while. And, you know, what do you do? Well, first of all, you have to stop. He had to stop. He said, he said this. He said, if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. In other words, up until this point, he's describing for us what was going through his mind, what his heart was feeling, and he said, "If I had spoken out, if in other words, if I had said what I wanted to say, it, it would have I would have been in trouble." You know, just the other day, I was texting uh, somebody who texted me about a very sensitive topic these days. And uh, I happen to have my wife with me, thank God. I had my wife with me. And so I uh, text out a reply. Actually, I kind of do it like this, you know. And uh, I read it out loud because she was with me. And she said, uh-uh, uh-uh. She said, don't send that. I said, why not? Uh, well, I'm speaking the truth. How many of you are with me? You speak the truth, you ought to be able to speak the truth, Right? Some of you don't believe that? You ought to be able to speak the truth to people, especially to friends. She said, don't do that. Don't say that. I said, okay, what should I say? She said, say this. So this was just like, okay, you know, something short. So I said that. I want to tell you that that interaction turned out very good. Thank God for your wife, huh? You need to listen to her. She is the voice of God in your life, in your marriage. Right, ladies? So sometimes we have to bite our thumbs, bite our tongue, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't say everything going through our mind, even though, I know you may argue with this, you may differ with me, even though it's true, if you can't speak the truth in love, and I want to tell you something, over a text message, you can read it any way you want to, can't you? Who's ever been misunderstood on a text message? Yeah, yeah, you meant it this way, they took it this way. It all depended on what was going on in their world at the time. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. Let, thank God for for uh, those memes, you know, smiley face and laughy face and kissy face and all that stuff. So he had to stop. And secondly, he had to think. He had to think. This is the second point of the turn. He said, "When I tried to understand all of this, in other words, the wicked prospering, the righteousness suffering, it troubled me deeply. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood." their destiny. In other words, he came into the sanctuary. He came into the presence of God, and his mind cleared. He kind of understood things. I said this a week or two ago, and I'll say it again. There's no substitute for gathering with godly people. There's no substitute for that. If If you stop the gathering in your life, I'm not saying necessarily a large church worship gathering, but that's okay with me like this, I'm saying, if you stop getting with people who can speak into your life, who can hold you accountable, if you stop that, then you're liable to go out in left field somewhere. Who knows where you'll end up? Somebody needs to be able to say to you, that's a dumb thing. You shouldn't say that. Amen? You shouldn't do that. And that's what we are for one another, keep each other accountable. And he said, when he came into the sanctuary, he not only understood God and the bigness of God, the eternal nature of God when the Ark of the Covenant was there. But he also, he was with other people. It's like, you know, this has been a community. The church has survived for 2,000 years and most of that time without my help. Well, that's liberating. It's humiliating, humbling, maybe I should say, but it's also true, isn't it? If Pastor Dave passed on tomorrow, church would survive because I'm not in charge of the church. God is. Jesus is. If you left us today, then we would be fine. Now, we don't want you to leave, and I hope you don't want me to leave anywhere in that kind of way, but God is in charge, and he's always been. When you think about that, you're like, you know what, this, this season, this is a season. Our country is in a season. Our world is in a season. And uh, who gets the final say of every season? God does. So he had to think, and then he had to confess. You know, when you realize these things, you realize that maybe it's not him, and maybe it's me. So Asaph confessed. He said, you know, when my, uh, when my heart was grieved, I got a bitter spirit. He said, I became senseless and ignorant. I was like a brute beast. In other words, active impulse, acting impulsively. And uh, you know, let me tell you where this happens. You know, you, you get discouraged. Maybe you're discouraged about your life. Maybe you're discouraged about your marriage. Maybe you're discouraged about what's going on in the world. And then you get to a place where you're all alone. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're in another city. You start acting impulsively. You let your heart rule your head. You just do whatever feels good. And let me tell you, your heart will get you into trouble every single time. That's what he's confessing here. He's saying, look, I got that way. And I had, I had to stop it. I had to stop it. We're all sinners by, by uh, you know, we have a bent, bent towards sin. And, it, and if left alone, our heart's going to lead us right down the sin alley. And these are the sins of Asaph. And so he said, I had to confess these. And then last week we saw that he made a profession of faith. He had to believe. He had to show his belief. And these two verses are some of the greatest uh, verses in the Old Testament. He said, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth, listen to this, This isn't this so good? Earth has nothing I desire besides you. Well, when we get to that point in our life, uh, we're, we're growing. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What an incredible profession of faith. Today, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about kind of the result of this turn. Now that we've turned it around, the word we're going to look at today is the word commit. Commit. And I want you to notice the last two verses of this psalm. These are the last two verses, 27 and 28. He says, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you, but as for me... Now listen to this verse right here. It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. What a journey he had made. He was faithful, but his feet almost slipped. But by the end of the story, he says, look at where I'm at. I almost gave up. I almost threw in the towel. I almost walked away from God, walked away from my family, walked away from my marriage, walked away from my kids, walked away from my faith. But he didn't. He didn't. And these are the stories that are so inspiring. And he ends up saying, No, I didn't. You know where I went? I stayed near God. It's good to be near God. And so, how do we keep from sinking into discouragement? He tells us, Look at this verse again. I've underlined it for you. It's good to be near God. I will tell of all your deeds. These are two things. I want to focus in on this. Is what we get from this word commit. The word commit. Now, we could, and, and here they are. Let's see them. Draw near to God and tell his story. Draw near to God and tell his story. Those are the things right here. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. These, you could say, these are my commitment or these are what my commitment brings, or this is what brings me to commitment. I don't know if you caught that, but let's, let's talk about it a minute. Now, I'm afraid when we talk about these two things right here, we end up beating each other up. We end up saying, hey, uh, draw near to God, tell a story. That means I need to pray more, Right? There's people in history, uh, Alexander Campbell, is a, he's a big name in our tribe of church way back in the 1800s, and you know, he used to get up at four in the morning, and he used to pray for two, three hours, and he'd pray, if he had a busy day coming, he'd pray a little bit longer, and Jesus, you know, he got up, and he went early to the mountain to pray, and so we'll talk about this, and we'll beat each other up and say, you need to pray more, you need to pray more, pray more, read your Bible more. Those are kind of the things that we beat each other up about, and we feel guilty. We all feel guilty about that, don't we? How many of you prayed for two hours before you came to church this morning? Yeah, I, I doubt anybody did. Maybe, maybe you did. I don't know. Uh, and, and this other one is all about evangelism. You know, we've beaten each other about, up about that for a long time. What happened? Disappeared. Evangelism. Tell, tell his story. You know, you should, you should witness more. You should, you should tell your story more. You should evangelize more. And so we have some guilt about these things. But I want to kind of alleviate your guilt today. It's sometimes like we, if we try harder, we'll grow more in our faith. We'll grow more if we try harder. It's not always the case. It hasn't worked. I, I want you to notice that Asaph, he got to the point where he, he wasn't trying harder. He made one turn. He, made one, he did one thing. One thing that helped him make this commitment. Remember that verse we just read? He said, I came into the sanctuary, and that's when it turned around for me. I came near to God. Now, just so you don't miss this, let me tell you this. Faith comes before commitment. Your faith comes before commitment. Commitment doesn't produce faith. Last week, we sang a song called Give Me Faith. Faith comes before, so we need faith in order to make a commitment that we're going to pray more, we're going to read the Bible more, we're going to do more, but God never says to focus on that doing alone, focus on being, focus on your faith. So here's what we see in Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. So if if we read this right, we may not be reading it right, because other people have disputed this, but in this, it's possible that the word faith is the gift of God. Maybe some say salvation is the gift of God, and it is, but there are some people who say faith is the gift of God. In other words, you don't create faith by your commitment, you know, I want to grow my faith, so I need to do more. No, it doesn't happen that way. God gives you faith. How do you get faith? Well, the Bible says here in 2 Peter, 2, uh, 2 Peter 1, one 2 Peter 1, one. here's another instance. Through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, these people have received a faith. How do they get it? They got it through his righteousness. Not by your commitment, not by what you're doing, but we get it by what he's already done. That's where we get it. So you don't grow your faith, by your commitment. You grow your commitment by your faith. If you want to grow your commitment, then grow your faith. You want to be a stronger Christian? You want to do more for the Lord? You want to, you want to be make a bigger impact in your family? Then grow your faith. How do we grow faith? Romans chapter 10 tells us, we read this last week, and this is not on the screen. I'll leave this up here for a minute. Romans 10 tells us, faith comes by, can you help me out? Faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing what? The Word of God. Hearing the Word of God. So we know that we get faith when we hear the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is working with that Word to sink it into our heart. We need to listen to God more, I think. We need to, we need, uh, we need to draw near to God, and then tell the story, His story of grace in your life. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all you who are discouraged and confused and tired and weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When you need help turning it around in your life, you're on the brink of discouragement and despair, don't, don't do what sometimes we do. Don't try harder to get it turned around. What we need to do is draw into the presence of God. You remember that story in uh, Luke chapter 10 of Mary and Martha? Remember Mary and Martha, Jesus came to their home, and uh, Martha was uh, Martha was busy with all the preparations for the meal. She was getting everything ready. Thank God for Martha's, right? Thank God for those who are getting the, getting the food on the table and uh, getting it done and uh, putting it up there. And then... Jesus did not condemn Martha for her service, okay? Know that. He, he didn't condemn her for, her for her service, for her preparation. Mary, Martha's sister, was sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, every time we see Mary in the Gospels, she's in one place. She's at the feet of Jesus. She's, she's here in another place. She was, uh, she was washing his feet in another place. One chapter before she was washing his feet, John 12, and John 11, she was crying at his feet over her brother Lazarus. We meet Mary three times in the Gospels, and she's at one place every time. She's at the feet of Jesus, every single time. And Jesus, he didn't condemn Martha for her service and preparation, he just said, Don't get it out of order, don't get it backwards. He said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about so many things. You're trying so hard, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. He's narrowing it down. He said, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What did Mary choose? Mary chose the same thing Asaph chose. Asaph said, man, I was screwed up. I was ready to throw in the towel until I came into the presence of God. I came into the presence of God. Don't get so busy and so angry and so confused, trying harder to serve or to do whatever you're doing that you miss Jesus. Don't do that, that you miss Jesus because he is what is better. He is what will not be taken away from us. Don't give up. Don't give up on Jesus because he will never give up on you. Now, I want to close this series with some practical help for you in how you might use this psalm as a pattern in your own life. I don't know how many of you have ever used journaling how I many of you write? You know, we don't write anymore, do we? When's the last time you sat down and wrote a note or wrote a letter? We might text it, we might email it or something, but there's, there's something beneficial and something to be said about my hand fashioning the letters for a note to you or to you, from you to somebody else. But I'm not talking about writing letters here, I'm talking about a journal. You might use this as a kind of a pattern for your life. So this is how to write down your story. That's what I said. Draw near to God and then tell the story. How are you going to tell that story? Write it down. And then years later, you might, it might make more sense to you than ever before. And here's some headings you could use as a pattern from Psalm 73. On the first piece of paper, you know, if you, if you get discouraged... If you get to that place where, you know, going through a problem, a trial, you know, tough time in my life, in my marriage, in my family, at my work, you know, just in my spiritual life, my walk, write down, my feet almost slip because, and then open up to God, write down, what what is it that's causing you to almost fall into the brink of despair? What's causing you to be frustrated and discouraged? maybe you give that some time. Maybe it's a week or two weeks or maybe a year. I don't know. You just write that down. You just cry out to God. You just tell him, look, Asaph did this for the first 14 verses. Half the psalm is about him whining and complaining about what he's seeing in the world. And so maybe, maybe it's going to sit there for a week or maybe a year. And then the second title you're going to use is, God. God taught me that something's true. God taught me something. God taught me. During this time when I was watching the world and I was biting my thumbs and biting my tongue, and I was just sitting there in the presence of God, He taught me. And then, maybe soon after that, you'll use this third title, and you'll start confessing. You know, when I look at this situation and I, I see how I was feeling and what my heart was saying, what my head was saying, and I was learning this lesson from God, I realized now that the problem wasn't with God, it wasn't even with the world, the problem was with me, the problem was with me. The world's always been evil, did you know this? The world's always been evil, it just finds new ways to pop its head up, it just finds new ways to, to, to manifest itself, the world's always been evil. And the devil has always wanted a foothold in the church. He's always wanted in. He wants you to bring him in. He wants you to bring him in with division, with hostility, with anger. He, he, wants, he wants to get into your marriage. Did you know that? The devil wants in your marriage. He wants to divide you. He wants to, he wants to destroy you. world's always been like this. So maybe it's, maybe it's us we need to look at. I confess that. And then lastly, you could say, because of this experience, I believe. I believe. This is your story. This is your Psalm 73. This is your testimony. And listen, whether you write it down or not, the story of God's grace in your life is still being written. The story of God's grace in your life is still being written remember how it started it was confusing and there was anger and there was discouragement but i want you to notice don't miss how it ends asaph said you know what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna draw near to god it's good for me to be near him when that happens in your life everything else will take care of itself trust me on this You draw near to God, you get that right, you sit at his feet, you let his word soak into your life, everything else will take care of itself. He'll take care of it. I hope this psalm has has helped you. I hope you've gotten some encouragement from it. I hope you've learned something from how to take the scripture, how to take a story like this and apply it to your own life. It applies to our world. We're so discouraged. Things are happening that we don't like, but we have to take a deep breath. God is in control, and don't you ever give up. Don't throw in the towel on your faith. We need you more now than ever before to hold the banner high, to shine the light of Jesus in dark places. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that works in our hearts with your word and and then he works to transform us into the people you've called us to be. I thank you for this positive testimony, a, a, a story that could have gone the other way, that could have ended badly, but it didn't because Asaph stayed with you and you stayed with him. And we know, God, you'll never give up on us. You'll always be there. And, and we just pray, God, that uh, we could draw near to you, we could draw near and let you continue to write the story of your grace in our life. That's what we want. In Jesus' name, Amen. We just stand and.